Hey, let's go. I'm not going to drop it down my shirt yet. Um, awesome. So what I want to share with you guys this morning is what we've been going through or what I've been going through with the senior high, uh, which is 1 John. And if you've had the opportunity to read 1 John, it's very practical application kind of book. It's, it's John writing an epistle, giving information of, hey, this is what it looks like to be a believer. Um, I love how it coincides, and I'll get there in the text, but how uh, John 1 coincides with 1 John. And it's almost like the beginning of, of John 1, uh, he draws the outline for 1 John. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm uh, actually not using my Bible today, but I'm using a student's Bible today because uh, my one of my students keeps forgetting his Bible here. So don't worry, buddy. I'm not going to call you out in front of everybody. Um, but I'm using his Bible today uh, because his has really large words and my, <laughs> mine does not. Uh, so yeah, so now I'm slipping through trying to find... Yeah, I told myself yesterday as I was prepping, I'm like, I need to put a bookmark in at First John, so that way I'm not up here flipping forever in front of everyone trying to find First John, and I forgot to. So, yeah, so bear with me as I flip through the pages. Almost there. Hey, thank you, God, for your grace. There I am. All right, so if you guys would stand with me, we'll go ahead and read, and then we'll pray. All right. Yes. Um, so First John chapter 1. Uh, we'll be going through the whole thing, so all, all whopping 10 verses of it. Uh, so that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father God, I, I humbly come before you. I just first and foremost um, pray that I would be able to step out of the way, that it would be nothing of myself, um, but that your spirit would speak truth. I thank you for the text. And uh, just as we go through First John, I pray that it would be uh, encouraging and convicting all at the same time, Father, that we would all know that uh, none of us have arrived yet. None of us are at glory, so we all have room to grow, whether, uh, whether small or big, uh, however it looks, we all have sanctification that needs to happen. So I just pray that your word would be true and that your text would um, really just plant seeds in the hearts today. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. All right. So I, I just wanted to start off by, by saying that if you 
feel convicted to the place of anger today uh, as I bring the text that I just wanted to remind you uh, that don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just reiterating what the Holy Spirit inspired John to put down on parchment. Uh, so if you have an issue, like Ben always says, you can go and talk to him. Uh, so <laughs> uh, with that being said, let's get into it. So First John. So right off the bat, First John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked, have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So right off the bat, we see that um, it proclaims that in the beginning. Now, where we also see that is in John 1.1. 1, 1. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll have you check up on the screen. Um, so it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was light, or in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that brings us very much correlating, right, the first five verses of John the Gospel uh, as we dive into the epistle of John, the first thing that he talks about is in the beginning. Uh, he talks about uh, concerning the word of life. And as we can see here, as we correlate, that he's talking about the word of life in the beginning was Jesus, um, is what we take from this. So God is not just in spirit as he's going, as John is going through this in First John. So I can jump back to this. Uh, so as he's saying, we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. So John is giving an account from himself as well as the disciples that they aren't just interacting with a spirit. Uh, so you, you could probably hear a spirit, I, I, would, I would assume, right? A spirit, if a spirit could make noise, then you could hear a spirit. You might be able to see a spirit, right? Uh, whatever a spirit would look like, you might be able to see it. But the fact that they, they touched and they handled, right? The, the physicality of it more leans us to the thought process of an incarnate Jesus going from spirit to flesh. So we just recently went through this in, in Priority One, and we were talking about Christ, and we were talking about um, the incarnate Christ and how Christ was spirit, and then he became flesh, right, the tangible. And we went through and we talked about, you know, tis the season, you know, little baby Jesus, away in a manger, that kind of stuff. So Jesus becomes flesh. So not just did they see and hear him, but they were able to actually handle with their hands. And this is coming from John, who's a self-proclaimed uh, favorite, right? He's, he's like the one that Jesus loves. It's a lot of times that as you read through the Gospel of John, how he refers to himself. Uh, and so most likely, if he was the one that Jesus loved, he was probably in his presence quite a bit, right? Shaking hands or patting on the shoulder, or like touching. Um, so John is giving an account. He's giving the eyewitness. It's almost like building up the credibility. He's like, hey, look, like we were there with Christ. So listen to me. It's like when somebody comes along with credibility, right? If you have somebody who has the experience in a, in a certain field, you're more likely to listen to them. You know, if somebody's been working on cars for 30 years, you're more likely to listen to them uh, than the Jiffy Lube tech who's been doing it for 15 minutes, you know? Uh, so he, he's, he's, he's establishing that credibility. You know, first and foremost, he's like, this is who we're talking about. Oh, and by the way, we have the credibility because we were 
we were with him when he was here on this earth. So and he's, lay, he's laid that out very nicely for us. Uh, so John, like as we see, he's referring to Jesus as the word of life uh, there at the end. So concerning the word of life, that which gives life. And we're going to jump forward to number two, or verse two. So the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. So Jesus was made manifest. If you don't know what the word manifest means, you know, being made visible. So Christ, who was spirit, now is incarnate, flesh, is made visible. So he was made manifest. And then John goes on again, declaring that Jesus is eternal life. So after he said again, he's, he's like, we have seen and bear witness I declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. So he's declaring that Jesus, who was manifested, who was made seen, is eternal life. Um, so the question that you might ask, I, I've talked about incarnate, and I'm talking about Jesus going from spirit to becoming flesh. Why is this important, right? Why was it so important that the God of the universe would leave his throne and become a little fleshly baby and have to live a life of a man, go through all the stuff that we go through on, on an everyday basis, right? It's, it says that, that nothing that we're, that we're tempted with, right, that Jesus didn't face, right, that he was tempted in the same way except for he lived a perfect life. Um, now, the reason why it was important that he came and lived a perfect life is because he needed to be a perfect sacrifice for God's judgment. Um, we see that in, and I'm going to kind of jump around here from my notes, but in, in Romans 6, 23, it says that the wages of sin is death. And unfortunately, Romans 3, 23 says that all have sinned. I know that we've been working on that word all, uh, but all means all. It doesn't mean some, doesn't mean most, doesn't mean the chosen, elect, any of that. It means all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So because of that, we all need a savior. We all need someone to save us from the judgment of God. And you'll hear me um, reiterate these texts throughout the, the, the sermon today because it's so important for us to grasp, right, that, that we all have sinned. And unfortunately, the wages of sin is death, so we all need a savior. Now, the reason why he needed to be perfect is because God requires a perfect sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, an atonement for sin. So his judgment towards sin needed a perfect sacrifice. And we see this paralleled uh, in Exodus 12, 5, where God is talking to Aaron and Moses. And he's saying, hey, you know, take the spotless one, either a goat or a sheep, but they have to be without blemish. And you sacrifice them, and they remember the, the story of Moses Right And the, all the trials and the, the things that they went through and how they sacrificed and then they put the blood on the, on the doorposts. And so when, when God came through and he killed the firstborn of every man, of every beast, if that blood was on the doorpost, he passed by. Well, in that same way, uh, we can see that the spotless lamb that saved those that applied the blood to the doorposts in the same way, the death of Christ has the ability to save us. Because of Christ's blood, his imputed righteousness, which imputed means covered, right? It's not our own righteousness, but his that covers us, 
saves us from that penalty, saves us from that death that is owed. Uh, I tell my P1 students all the time, like I, or my students, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I could die and then continue to live, right? Kind of an oxymoron, like doesn't work. So thankfully, Christ sacrificed his blood atonement for us because he lived a blameless life, makes it available for us to have that paid for. So John is saying here, he's saying that the life was manifested, so the life, he's referring to Jesus, was manifested, was brought before us in the flesh, and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life, so he's saying that Jesus is eternal life, and that's how we can gain that eternal life is through that receiving of, of Christ as our Savior. So, and we'll go through what that looks like, you know, as John continues to lay out, he's saying that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. So Jesus was with God, or is God, and was with God in the spirit, and then became manifest, the incarnate Jesus, lived the perfect life. So as we move forward on verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. So he's saying, again, reiterate, I mean, like, this is you know, a couple of verses in a row. He's saying, we've seen, we've heard, like, hey, I'm credible. Listen to what I'm having to say to you. It's like that, that proof is in the pudding. Like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And now he's saying, we declare to you. So not only have I gained this information through personal interaction, through what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've touched, but now let me share it with you, the information that I've gained through my experience. I don't know about you, but growing up, we had hot wire fences. And I tell you what, the first kid to go over and he'd grab that hot wire fence and he'd get lit up. And then we would all know through his experience that that didn't feel good. <laughs> Anytime there's an opportunity for us to learn from other people's experience, it's important that we grab hold of it. I try to do that in my life. I try to learn from others. You know, as I'm studying the word of God or if I'm learning how to work on a car or whatever, dealing with people asking questions, I learn from other people and what they've done and how they've had success in things and how they've not had success in things. It's important that we learn from others. It's part of being the body, right? Paul goes through that in Ephesians 4, the unity of the body. So when John is saying, hey, we've, we declare this to you. It's something that we've tested. It's tried and true. You know, we've, we've gone through this, and now we want to share it with you. We need to listen. So John fulfilling the Great Commission, right? We see in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, you know, we see that we are called to go. We're called to go and, and, and share. And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it memorized, but we are called to go and preach the gospel. We are called to go and evangelize, to love on people, to show them the truth of who Jesus is, to share the good news of the gospel, to help them to be aware that, hey, we all have sinned and fall short, and, the, and the, the wages of sin is death. But guess what? Jesus loves you, and God loved you so much that he would send his one and only son. So it's our job to declare to you the truth of who God is, the truth of who Jesus is. And so John is, is doing that. John is inviting us to join in the fellowship with them to the Father, as we see that laid out, that you also may have fellowship with us. 
And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now why is this so important, that we would have fellowship with God? Because up until the point of Christ, right, fellowship with the Lord looked a lot different. You, you would have to be of a specific calling, and you would have to go through these ceremonial things. You would have to go through tons and tons of stuff to make yourself right enough to be even in the presence of God, to go past the curtain into the Holy of Holies. And so what this has done, what, what Christ has done through the gospel is he's made it available for us to have fellowship directly with God. The curtain is torn. No longer do we have to go through this big, long, lengthy process to make ourselves right to have fellowship with God. But because of what Christ did and that free gift that he gives, right? Paul lays that out, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's by faith through grace that we have been saved, not by works lest any man should boast. So it's that gift that Christ has given us has made it uh, available for us to attain fellowship with the Father through the gospel of Christ. So we have that availability now compared to uh, what they have. We have that availability to have fellowship with God. And he's inviting us to have fellowship with them, with God. So fellowship, being able to come together, being able to talk, communicate. Again, why is this important? Being able to receive direction. Being able to pray to the Lord and, and, and commune with him and, and have him hear us. All these things are important as we continue to live out our lives. Now, it's very important to understand that in order to have this fellowship that John is saying, that we, we need to have fellowship with Christ. So it's like the starting point because you can't have one without the other. It's like if you're trying to get into a, a fancy place and there's somebody at the door and your name's not on the list, then you're just, you know. So if you don't know someone, you don't have a way to get in. Well, Jesus is that knowing someone. And he's offering his friendship to you for free. And, and again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and putting in my own words here, but we see in Romans 10, 9, it, it lays it out for us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now I want to highlight in there the word believe because lip service won't do you any good. There is so many things that we can just talk about, right? And we can throw words out there, right? I can make proclamations that I am the best unicycler in the world. But if I try to get on a unicycle, I'd probably go back to the hospital, right? Words... All of themselves are meaningless, essentially, right? If they're not backed up with action, if they're not backed up with belief. So when, when Paul lays it out to the Romans that, you know, if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved, you have to believe. It can't just be lip service. You can't just say that you believe in, in, in a sentence, you know, I believe in you, Jesus, and all of a sudden you're stamped and you're good to go. It doesn't work that way. It is as easy as believing in your heart. Right? It doesn't take works, like I said, from 8, to, or 2, 8, and 9. Right? It's not by works so that we can boast. But we do have to have that belief. So I just, 
I really wanted to emphasize on that. I'm not trying to come across in such a way that saying that you have to work for your salvation or any of that nonsense, right? We receive it by grace, through faith. Um, but you have to believe. That's, that's the thing, right? There has to be a belief. Um, and the reason why that's important is because if you don't truly believe in something, it's not going to shape you. It's not going to change you. It's not going to affect you. If it's just lip service, there's no action that follows from it. But if we truly believe in our heart, right, Paul lays out in Romans 12 too that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's something different that takes place. And I better stay on my notes because I like to veer off and, and uh, second service needs to get the same <laughs> message. So as we go, we continue. Uh, we look at four. And he's saying, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, as you notice, like if you guys are following along in your Bibles, uh, if you're looking at the New King James, it does not say our, it says your. Um, but every other translation says our, so our. Uh, so I chose to use the ESV for this slide because it says our. Now, I believe that John was saying our collectively, that our joy may be complete. I mean, I think about um, the joy that he's talking about. If you've ever had the opportunity to witness to someone and then to see them have an aha moment where it's like the scales fall off and they're like, oh my goodness, the reality of the situation just is there. The joy that overfills, right? Or even your own personal aha moment. I remember... I remember when the scales fell off my eyes, and the joy that was overflowing, um, and not just this like joy that we talk about of this peace, and like, oh yeah, I'm good, no, I was jumping up and down, like I was on a, on a retreat called Nico, and I was stoked, I looked like I had a eight shot Americano twice over, and I was just excited, I was excited about Jesus, I was excited about this new opportunity in life. It happened when I was at my lowest of lows, but it was that joy that was complete. It was lacking nothing, and that's what John is wanting to let us know, that we are writing these things. This is the purpose why I'm writing you, is so that our joy may be full through the, the realization, right, that we can have fellowship with God through Christ, and it's free and accessible to all that would believe. So then we start to get into more application stuff. We've talked about fellowship, and now we jump into five. Um, and when I was initially uh, prepping for this, I was going to stick to one through four, and I really felt like pressed by the, the, the Holy Spirit that it needed more, more context of the, of the word. So instead of stopping at four, we're going to continue to go through five through ten. So it's, it's more of the, the application um, process, and, and application meaning applied. Right? Not that you're putting in an application to try and get a job, but like how we apply it to our lives. Um, so the reality, as we read this, this message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the truth that without Christ we can have no part in fellowship with God. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So the reality is we have to have fellowship with Christ before we can have fellowship with the Father. And if you don't have fellowship with the Father, then most likely, 100%, you're an enemy of the Father. And if you're an enemy of God, that's not a good place to be. Because we understand that the wrath of God spares no one. The wages of sin are death. So we must have fellowship with Christ, which again, like I said, is free. It's available. So simply, we see God is light. And if God is light, then the opposite of that is darkness. And it says that in him is no darkness. And so we see that sin is darkness. Now, we uh, describe sin, if you've ever heard the archery term, where a sin is where you miss the mark, right? You're aiming at one thing and you miss it. So it's missing the mark. And the mark in this is obedience to God. And so sin is just disobedience, right? So we need to be mindful that disobedience to God is not what a friend of God does. Again, I reiterate Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So unfortunately, thank you, Adam, because of one man, sin entered the world, we all have the availability to sin. Since the day that we were born, we have the opportunity and most likely the gumption or the want because of our flesh to sin, to be disobedient to God. And because God is light, there is no darkness in him at all. Now we can look at Habakkuk 1.13 and Psalms 5.5 and it talks about the purity of God and how he won't allow sin in his presence. So if you have not fellowship with Christ, then you're still walking in fully in that darkness, which you're walking in that sin fully and you haven't had a repentant life and you don't have fellowship with Christ, then you're an enemy to God. And John's... John's being soft in the way that he's laying this out, but he's, he's being very straightforward to the believer. He's just talking about the importance of understanding. Because if we can understand the depravity that he saved us from, from for those of us who have fellowship with God and then have fellowship, or have fellowship with Christ and then have fellowship with God, we understand that when we see other people who might be oblivious to it, Right? And they're continuing to walk step in step with the world, and they're an enemy to God. How much more is it important for us to fulfill Matthew 28 and to share the love of Christ with people? To let them know, hey, it can be different for you. Now, I'm not saying that we go out and you have to, you know, force people to repentance. We're not going to, you know, nacho libre baptize people. Um, but we make it available to them. Right? We make it available so that way they can't be like, well, nobody ever told me that this was taking place. Well, yeah, they did. But that's, that's what we're called to do. So this fellowship that John is talking about, this is, I take it as almost an, an urging right, to fulfill the Great Commission, to take every single opportunity that we can to share with people because you, you never know. You never know what somebody is going through in their life. We, in, especially in Western culture, 
are so good at putting on masks and just hiding. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. Go to the grocery store. I go to the work. Everything is good. When actually when you take off that mask, it's just everything is wretched. And so you never know, honestly. I mean, God has given us discernment, but just being able to go. You never know that when you just choose to look at someone and be like, hey, let me pray for you. Or, hey, you know, I see you today. How much that will mean to them. How much that will mean to allow God's kindness to lead them to repentance. So in following these, so with that being said, in the following verses, 6 through 10, I want you guys to pay attention uh, to the if-thens. Right? I noticed this was a couple of weeks ago, um, just prepping for stuff and listening to the sermon, and I was like reading. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, 6 through 10, each one of them has an if. Now, I was talking with a buddy, and he was, he was saying, you know, in the, in the Greek, right, the if might more so mean since or perhaps, um, which is true uh, to a point to where that's something you can dig into more. Uh, this morning, we're going to take the if and run with it. Uh, so, verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So, remember, the we is John is talking to believers. So, this is not talking to unregenerate people. And by what I mean by unregenerate is just those who have not chosen to give their heart to Christ and be having been made new, right? A new creation. So he's talking to believers. He's saying if we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, uh, we lie and do not practice the truth. So it can't be just something that we proclaim. Like I said, you know, words can't just be words. It has to be something that we live out. Uh, so we're not called to perfection, though. Um, just wanted to, again, reiterate that. Uh, we're not saved by works. So it's not something that you get saved and all of a sudden, you're good forever, and, and if you have any kind of sin that you're, you're done for, that's not what he's saying. Right? We've been justified. We've been made right before God, but then we continue to be sanctified. So we're continuing to have it worked out in us. So the darkness that he's talking about is not talking about an unrepentant, sinful life, you know, completely void of fellowship with God. He's referring to us He's talking to you, the average person who is a follower of Christ that each day has things that they struggle with, right? Whether it's pride or more things that are severe on the outside or inside, it's all stuff that's being sanctified. We're, if you haven't heard this word sanctified, uh, it's being made holy. So none of us have arrived, but we're continually being made holy and it's a daily process, right? We're diving into it. So, but at the same time with that knowledge that we're not called to be perfect, does that just give us the ability to be like, ah, it's all good. I'm going to, you know, walk in the dark here and there. It's, it's okay, right? You just continue to do it. Well, no. Paul lays it out in Romans 6, 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin live in it? So it's this awareness that we need to be continuing to pursue change, continuing to pursue holiness as God sanctifies us. 
but it's not to the point to where it's like if you mess up or you don't do something right or you don't beat yourself down for it. We'll talk about it more in Romans 8.1. that says there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus also lays it out in Matthew 7.15 through 18 uh, when, where Jesus talks about um, of that you will know them by their fruit. So he's talking about the good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit. Like you'll know them by the fruit that's in their lives. He also lays it out in Matthew 7, verse 20, Matthew 12, 33, Luke 6, 44. Right? He talks about fruit. The pastor has said it from up here, right? Faith is the root. Works are the fruit. So it's the, the things that we do shows what's in us. And there's lots of scriptural reference where we can talk about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? As a man thinks, so he is. What we, what we sow into ourselves ekes out, whether we want it to or not. So being aware of that, that if we say that we have fellowship with him, we need to be mindful of how we walk. Because if we're strictly walking in the darkness, and we're just kind of fluffing, like just, hey, it's all good, right? I can continue to do this or that or this or that. When I know for a fact that James says that if we know that it's wrong and we continue to do it, it's sin. And then, but it's okay, I'm covered by grace. John is saying that's not okay. If you do that, the truth, you don't practice the truth. That's not truth. You're lying to yourself. And he reiterates that, that throughout. I jump. Verse 7, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I love this verse so much. Um, just that reality of the transformation. And I love it that light exposes sin. So if we're walking in the light, if we're walking in the way that God has called us to walk, right, those underlying hidden things that if left alone will fester and make you feel like garbage and make you respond and react in harsh ways. They get brought into light and they get dealt with. So choosing to walk in the light, again, let me restate that John is not saying that we are perfect, but rather, again, point at Paul, right, in Romans 8, 1, that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the reality is that it's, as we have fellowship with one another, right, the accountability that as iron sharpens iron, so the accountenance of one sharpens another, we are to be continuing to be unified as the body and encouraging each other to grow and, and be, um, allow the Lord to change us. Right? If you find yourself in a situation where you're stagnant in an area, have you ever seen a stagnant pond? It's all nasty and mucky, it's like, does not say, come jump and partake of swimming in me. It doesn't look very refreshing. <laughs> it looks like a not very good thing. So, so stagnant is, I don't find in my own life, is ever beneficial. So whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, if you're stagnant in an area, find someone that you can link up with that will encourage you to grow. If you're married, praise God. You have someone right there that God has given you as a helpmate to encourage you, to inspire you, to grow and change. 
right? And then there's different levels of things that you need in being able to go to other men, right, and talk about stuff and, and ladies talking with ladies. You know, there's some things that my wife uh, wants to talk about, and, and it takes a, a kinder feminine ear than, than mine. I am learning very much as we continue to walk through this, and, and we are being sanctified that sometimes my wife uh, really just wants me to listen. And, and for me, it's hard because I'm a man. I want to fix it. <laughs> so she, she, she called me Fix-It Felix the other day because, because, because I instantly go into this place where I just I want to fix it. Like I want to find a remedy, right? I don't want my bride to, to hurt in any kind of way. And, and even beyond that, it's like, okay, like what can I? So I'm learning how to just listen. So there are some things that as I'm continuing to learn how to listen, that God has placed women in her life who are good listeners. Ladies, y'all listen real good. So being able to fellowship with one another helps us to stay accountable. It's so important that as we have fellowship, right? John was saying that we would have, he, his encouragement is that we would have fellowship with each other, right? Before he led to saying fellowship with God and Jesus Christ the Son, he said fellowship with each other. That's why this is so important. You know, people ask all the time, why is it so important that I go to church? Well, it's, the important thing is fellowship, right? As we come and we encourage and we inspire each other because, you know, I need someone who is going to be loving enough in my life to tell me if I got a bug hanging out of my nose, right? But we do that through fellowship, through spending time with each other, finding out what each other like, finding out uh, our our faults, our things that we can encourage each other for, right? That uplifting of the body, it's so important. So the having, we have fellowship with one another. And the glorious thing is that the blood of Jesus, his, uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So again, just reiterating that fact that it's Christ who covers our sin. Not anything that we do ourselves, no amount of good days. Have you ever seen one of those tick reports where it's like, it's been 348 days since our last accident? That doesn't matter. We could, we could have a billion. We could have infinity, great days, but all it takes is one. One mess up. One wrong thought. One taking of something that doesn't belong to you. And you're disqualified. So, Praise God that it's not by us, but it's his blood that cleanses us from all sin. So we see, again, I just wanted to highlight, right? There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, this is something that naturally takes place. As we have fellowship with Christ, we want to be more like Jesus, and so we continue to allow ourselves to walk more and more like him. I talk to my students, there's an acronym for the Bible. It's the basic instructions before leaving earth. But you can find everything that you need to know about walking in the light is in this book. It weighs about 1,000 pounds, so start lifting. But once you get into it, right, the instructions that God has laid out. And like I said before, I love to learn from other people. So there are men who are older, some dead, uh, but are way smarter than the Lord has seen fit to make me. And they have gone out and they've done the diligence to find the information. And it's available. 
And so we can look at that information, and then we can line it up with their resources, right? So it's available. We don't have to uh, just allow for personal revelation to take place. Well, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me, so it's not, it's not like that. Right? We, can, we can use other people. We can glean from other people. We can be mentored from authors that the Lord has seen fit to put forward. And like Pastor Ben encourages, right, mostly stick to the dead guys because anything that they were doing nefarious that's in the dark has already been brought to the light. So you can trust what they have to say. So dig in for yourself. We move on and we see in 8 and 9. So if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, I want to reiterate that the we, he's talking to believers. So he's talking to those who have fellowship with Christ. He's, he's talking about the importance to be mindful of the way that we live because it's not an automatic just because you said yes to jesus doesn't mean that you're going to live perfectly for the rest of your life we are met each day with the opportunity to rise up to the occasion jesus says in luke he says that if any should follow after me you must deny yourself daily pick up your cross and walk and follow after me so the reality is, it's not saying that we in and of ourselves have to do something to procure our salvation, but as those who have fellowship with Christ, we need to be mindful that there's an interaction that takes place. Do you have any, any um, relationships where it's one-sided, where you reach out to them all the time, you encourage them all the time, and it's just like never anything back? It's like, is it really, are we really friends? I, I, a friendship goes both ways, and a relationship goes both ways. And so Christ has made the first step. He said, here, it's for you. It's available. It's free. I love you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So Christ has already taken that step. And then it's on us to, to reiterate, right, in, the, in, that, in that fellowship or respond rather. And so it's like, okay, I received that free gift. I have fellowship. Okay, Lord, how can, I, how can I be different? What can I do? What are some of the basic things that we can do? You, you've probably heard it a million times. What are some of the basic things that you can do as a follower of Christ to see yourself become better? Right? Read your Bible. Study your word. Right? Not just the words on the page, but study. There's a couple of different ways. Right? I, I call the difference between snack food and healthy food. Healthy food is where you grab the text and you dig into it and you're looking at commentaries and you're looking at scriptural references and you're really getting into the, uh, the historical, the grammatical, the context. You're really exegeting the word. And then there's some that's just snack food, right? Where you bust open your Bible while you're pumping gas and you read a couple, you read 1 John 1. It's 10 verses. takes that fast. And you just read it and you get the snack food, right? You're, you're digging into the word. Well, Isaiah 55, 11 says that his word will not return to him void. So even those little snack food moments, God's going to deposit nuggets into your heart and make available for you. So it's important for us not to be deceived, that we would have the truth in us, and the, the reality that we, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How dangerous is it when the lie becomes truth in our own eyes. 
So we're saved, and then we feel like because we've punched our ticket to glory, now we can live however we want to here. And it's like I'm, and there's a lot of people where the lie becomes truth to them. This is truth. I'm going to walk this out. I'm just going to live however I want to. Isaiah 5, 20 and 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. You can see this pilfered all throughout our culture today. Woe to those. People call evil good and good evil. We have to be mindful. We have to be on guard. We have to be living right. And he says, in verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, plural, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, as you can see in verse 8, it's singular, sin. And the second verse, it's plural, sins. Now, I spent a bunch of time on this, and there's a lot of digging that I'm not going to share with you guys because we don't have enough time. Um, but I just, uh, my back and forth nature, I, I ended up finding an awesome quote out of the Believer's Commentary. It says, the forgiveness John speaks about here is parental, not judicial. Judicial forgiveness means forgiveness from the penalty of sin, which the sinner receives when he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is called judicial because it, grant, it is granted by God acting as a judge. But what about sins, which a person, person commits after conversion? Like I said, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because we haven't received glory yet, we're all going to continue to struggle. As far as the penalty is concerned, the price has already been paid by the Lord on the cross of Calvary. But as far as fellowship in the family of God is concerned, the sinning saint needs parental forgiveness. This is the forgiveness of his father. He obtains it by confessing his sin. We need judicial forgiveness only once. That takes care of the penalty of our sins. Romans 6.23. Past, present, and future. But we need parental forgiveness throughout our Christian life. So until that day we come to glory, we need that parental forgiveness. We've been going through a lot of parenting, discipleship hour. Any of you who are a parent, if you disciplined your kid yesterday for a specific choice, does that mean that today when they do that same thing, that you won't need to discipline them again? No. It's that continued correction in love. Right? It's, hey, no, let's, let's steer back. Let's get back on course, right? Our kids, like us, can be stubborn. And sometimes it takes not one, not two, but like 35 times of the same thing before they're like, oh, yeah. But in the same way with us spiritually, like how many times do we return to our vomit, right? Like the dog that returns to its vomit, and we, we perpetually do the same things. Like yesterday, I did this thing, and I said, Lord, please forgive me. I, I, I repent, and I want to be different, right? And then the next day, we do the same thing. And then the next day, we do the same thing, and the same thing, and the same thing. Well, I want to let you know that all of us can fall into that line. And it runs in line with, you know, look at what Paul said. 
I don't do the things that I do want to do. I do do the things that I don't want to do. Who will save me from this wretched body? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Even Paul knew that he was saved from sin, the wages of sin, the penalty of death. He's been saved, but he's like, I continue to need that parental forgiveness as I, as I go on. Just that reminder of like, hey, it's okay. Let's go. Get back up. Get back up. Let's go. Let's go. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The enemy of your soul would have nothing better than for you to wallow in self-pity because you made the same mistake again. And it's not that we just take it and be like, oh, it, it's okay. We take it earnestly and we like, we try. Like, we try to be better. We try to focus. Like, what can I do? Hey, do I need to reach out to someone to have them hold me accountable in this? You know, Lord God, can you direct me in the text of how I can have victory in this? You know, whether it's memorizing scripture or what do I need to be doing? Do I need to fast for a bit? You know, what are some of the things that we can do to have victory? And so John is saying that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is so beautiful that Jesus cleanses us. He makes us clean, the right standing before the Father, which is necessary. Because if we're not clean, right, if we have unrighteousness, then we don't have right standing before the Lord. We don't, we don't want that. We want to be able to be used. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm not talking about the, the initial, the judicial forgiveness, right? It's not something that you can lose at a whim, right? If you start making poor choices, it doesn't mean that you're going to not be saved, right? That forgiveness is good. But the right standing that we need before the Lord, being able to be right before the Lord is how can we be used? If I've got a tool that's rusted and broken and dull, how am I going to use it? I need something that's ready, that's prepared, that's sharp, that's equipped. And so are we to be, right? Daily we're to be getting after it, following him so that we can be equipped, we can be ready. So again, like I said, it's not that you're going to lose your salvation if you continue to sin, right? Because once you believe, it's by his grace that we have been saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. So it's not something that you can lose. It's not something that you gained by your goodness. So since it's not something that you gained or earned, right, in the same way, it can't be taken away. So I love that Paul lays this out for us, and then he Basically like sandwiches, eight, and then we'll see in verse 10. And he's again saying, so here we see that John is restating verse eight. Since we are believers, we must know the truth of his word. So he's saying, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if somebody goes on and they're like, ah, I don't, I've not sinned, I'm not a sinner, I don't, I don't need to, you know, ask for forgiveness today. I'm good. He's saying that we make God a liar and that his word is not in us. And it's important for us to be students of the word so that way we can understand and know, not just of how we need to course correct, but how we need to live. It's like if you don't read your Bible and you choose to be a Christian, it's like every single day you're choosing to put Ikea furniture together without the instructions over and over and over and always something different. So that way you can't 
Because I tell you what, by the third bunk bed I put together, I had the sucker licked. Um, but it's not in the same way, right? It's something new, like struggle, struggle, struggle. It's like, oh my gosh, why? Beating your head up against the wall, it's like, why, why? Well, when we allow his word to consume us, we understand the importance of following his word. And that's what John is saying here. If we, if we continue to say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Like we, we're not knowledgeable of the text. So recapping, right, we see that fellowship with God is attained through Jesus Christ. And since we have fellowship with Christ and the Father, we must walk in the light as he is in the light. Anybody know uh, DC Talk? Yep. And then finally, we're not called to be perfect, but yet we need to be repentive. It's one of the things that I point out about, about King David. If any of you have read about King David, right? The first thing we see in King David, he was a man after God's own heart. And then blunder after blunder after blunder. But what does he do? <laughs> he says, Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Let me walk in your ways. Let me, let me keep your precepts on my mind and on my heart day and night. One of the scriptures that I like to quote is, is Psalms 119.11. And he says, write your word on the tablet of my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against you. So why is it important for God's word to be rooted in us so we, so we understand and we know how we're supposed to live? Because it's going to be a struggle until we go to glory. Plain and simple. No matter how good somebody's life looks, there's always something. There's always something. That's why we as the, the staff here appreciate and love so much that you guys pray for us. Because we're not immune. The final thought that I would, I would leave you with uh, that I love so much as we look that God is, is faithful so faithful, and we can depend on his faithfulness, that it's not of ourselves or what we do, but it's only about God's faithfulness. So I would encourage you uh, today that um, if you haven't had that opportunity to, to surrender yourself uh, to Jesus and to attain fellowship with the Father, don't wait. He's faithful. You make that choice, he'll show up. I guarantee it. Well, Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to bring your word. I pray that the truth um, of your word would shine through and um, just that it would be encouraging today. So uh, we give you all the glory and uh, we pray that you would help us to uh, seek your face. Amen.